Hello and welcome to the DC Night Kingdom podcast. This is obviously season two still, and this is episode five in the coronavirus stage of the season. Um, alongside me, I have got a guest who is going to be talking about some things, so whether it's news, the little game that I've got going on, um, you will have heard last time in the show. Um, his name is Daniel Wise, he's making his second appearance of the season. Hello Daniel, say hi to everyone. Season two, but you know, for, for how long exactly, it's uh, very up in the air. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, really appreciate you reaching out to me, especially during this time where, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's great to set a sense of normalcy for people. So, uh, you know, getting back into the DC United discussion is is so important, especially, you know, we've got about three more weeks before we even know if they're going to for sure resume the season so uh you know it's it's uh it's very much up in the air but i really appreciate you having me on and i'm very happy to be back now you're very welcome um it's it's been a bit weird hasn't it um obviously we've only had two games this season and we're already postponed and it feels like we might not even get to the end so um how is it over in america at the moment um obviously i can tell you a little bit about what it's like over here but i want to know how how are you guys dealing with uh, COVID-19? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I actually moved away from D.C. not too long ago. So I've been back in my home state of South Dakota, and we actually just went under lockdown, I think, just over the weekend. Um, it really sort of hit us uh, when I was watching the NCAA basketball tournament with my mom. Hmm. Uh, we were watching in the afternoon, and... and uh, the Big East tournament was going on, and then suddenly, halfway through the through the game, literally at halftime, they just shut everything down, what? and that just floored us. Yeah, yeah, all every single tournament that was going on, and I mean, March Madness is an institution in this country. Yeah. So when that all shut down, we were just floored, and then from there, that was sort of the first domino that set on a uh, an effect that went on to all other sports. It seemed from there, you know, uh, Major League Baseball shut down. Then it was, um, you know, tennis and basketball and hockey, and then eventually Major League Soccer. And then it, it sort of cascaded over into Europe where, you know, for a while they were saying the Formula One season was going to be happening, but they were going to skip out on uh, China and then suddenly, nope, we're not even doing Australia some, because some old guy uh, who tested positive ate at a restaurant near uh, Albert Park. So, you know, it was a sort of this knock-on effect that really affected the, the sports world overall. And now, you know, you know, talking about over in Europe, now they're looking at uh, holding the Euros in 2021. And so that's just absolutely uh, staggering how much this, this virus has, has affected um, the world over. I don't even remember this sort of uh, thing happening, you know, back during SARS or the o- Ebola outbreak. Yeah. Uh, those were relatively contained. Now, you know, you definitely had the, you know, the end of the world memes going on, but not at the rate and sort of like the severity that they happen now. And that is very much the um, mind-boggling thing about this, is people are, are genuinely scared. 
Now we're we're relatively fine here in uh, South Dakota, where we we don't even have a million people in a state the you know that takes about nine hours to drive across. Wow! So you're talking about a, a wide area, but you know even even here they've shut almost everything down from restaurants uh, to malls and other businesses. They've completely um, gone under lockdown. So same here. Uh, and, and over in D.C., as, as I sort of understand it, uh, Mayor Bowser, she pretty much put a mor- moratorium uh, out there that all restaurants, eateries, whatnot, would have to shut down um, until further notice. And so really in a, in a city like that, you know, especially such a concentrated area as D.C., such a small space, but, you know, sort of tucked in between um, two states, Maryland and Virginia, you've got cross traffic going through there uh, every day. You've got probably, you know, anywhere from 1.5 to 2 million people sort of transporting in and out of that city on a daily basis. So it's, it's incredible um, just how, how, you know, much they have to like uh, really be cautious over there. Um, because it, it is a virus that's easily spread and, and it's um, apparently um, it, it's beyond control. You know, we, we over here in America, you know, particularly talking about the news, uh, you know, it was sort of like they were saying just a couple of weeks ago, oh, this is a hoax. It's no worse than the flu. <laughs> this is all going to blow over. You know, we're not even going to be affected by this. Yeah. But then, you, you know, you now they have swiftly changed their tune to saying, no, this is actually a very serious deal. And, you know, uh, to keep everyone safe, you know, you have to make sure you're doing your duty and uh, practicing your social distancing. Now, I will say as someone who's who's somewhat of a, a social shut-in, uh, I was practicing social distancing well before it became <laughs> cool. So I've, I've been getting ready for this bit for the better part of my, you know, 33 years on this planet. So, yeah, I was I was made for this this type of lockdown. Oh, honestly, it's been absolutely crazy and and I'm guessing you're absolutely well and you're fit and healthy and you're not having to worry about it at the moment. At the moment, no. And and you know, uh, I moved to be closer to my folks and you know, they they're in that sort of uh, uh vulnerable age range. So, being being closer to them is definitely a plus side to all of this. Yeah. Uh, so you know, as far as I know, you know, no one I've known has has gotten sick or anything like that. Everyone's been practicing, uh, you know, their their lockdown pretty uh, pretty well so far. Um, how about you? You know, you you just had a, a birth in the family. So yeah. how's everything been going on with that? Has that has that increased? the stress or, or has it all been sort of just a waterfall of, of craziness that, you know, that's sort of the last thing on your mind? Well, yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, um, I mean, he's not even a week old, so he's six days old at the moment. And mm-hmm. it's, to be honest, it has been kind of the last thing on my mind because it's just been a case of we're just always concentrating on our, our son. Um, but mm-hmm. when he was born, um, the I think it was the day after um was told that there was no visitors allowed to the hospital because of COVID-19 and my first reaction was right I'm ringing the wife I need to know whether 
I am allowed, um, or whether it's it's literally zero people are allowed into the hospital. Um, but thankfully, because I was obviously the dad, um, they allowed me in, but it was literally no other visitors were allowed into the hospital. So that's kind of shows you how much of an impact it's making um, over here in the UK. And as of today, um, so that we're recording this on the 18th of March. Um, so if you listen it later, later down the line, um, you can kind of get a feel of where we're coming from because uh, obviously the situation is changing literally every day. Um, Boris Johnson just announced that um, all the schools in the UK, as of after Friday, will be closed in the UK unless um, they are the son of a daughter of a, um, a key worker. Um, so that is another step that they're trying to introduce where they're trying to limit and flatten the peak, is a phrase that I've heard many times. Mm-hmm. Um, of the spread of the virus. Um, from what I understand and from what I've read, children are kind of a bit more immune to the virus than older um, people. Um, so you've obviously got your um, higher risk um, generations, which is kind of 70 plus, where they've been told yeah. um, kind of that they need to self-isolate even if they're not showing any symptoms. Um and there's been word that it's up to for up to 12 weeks, which is an insane amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. I would be, I mean, I'm getting bored already of the whole situation, um, which is not great. I mean, obviously, I've got to keep an eye on things. But if you're someone who's self-isolated for, a t- I mean, two weeks would be bad enough. Um, I would hate not being able to go out, not being able to see people. Um, yeah. You've got to think about the mental health side of things as well. Um not being able to contact people. If you've been told you can't contact anyone, not how many face-to-face time, actual proper face-to-face rather than through a Skype call, that's going to take a mental toll on you. And uh, I, I'd hate to be in that position. Um, so for anyone who's of the generation where you've been told to self-isolate for that long, I feel for you. I absolutely do. Um, and yeah. for anyone who's been diagnosed with um, COVID-19, um, I hope you get fit and healthy very, very soon um, and it doesn't get any serious um, because it's not nice. Um, but I do feel media have got something to answer for because there's a lot of scaremongering going on. Um, mm-hmm. Has the shops over there ran out of food yet? Or paracetamol, um, painkillers, <laughs> that kind of thing yet? Because I know over here, the main thing that ran out straight away, and it really annoys me, is toilet roll. Right. I mean, yeah, we have had a very similar uh, situation where stores have had to put, you know, uh, restrictions on how much uh, toilet paper rolls, cleaning and disinfectant supplies you can buy and uh, your hand sanitizers. Yes. Uh, Another thing, particularly over here, I'm I'm not sure what sort of. you know, sort of family assistance programs are over there in the UK, but over here with um, SNAP and food benefits or food stamp benefits, uh, there are people who are uh, who have sort of resorted to even snatching up into those aisles. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, there's a little red sticker that says like WIC on there, uh, which sort of allocates you know that that sort of food. Uh, to SNAP benefits, but um, apparently there's been some people who sort of even clean out those sections. So for families who really need, you know, not only those cleaning supplies and household items, but also food items, it seems like people are just sort of 
going anywhere and everywhere they can um, you know get it. Now yeah. I will say here where where I live in a smaller state, it's uh, one of those things where they've actually had a good supply uh, coming in and they've been able to keep things relatively stocked up. Uh, mm. You know, outside of your general uh, cleaning supplies, those have really been flying, but. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been dealing with crowds, you know, that are sort of like Thanksgiving or Christmas capacity, sort of, you know, getting on to the uh, uh, grocery stores. Yeah. But there's been some stores that have been, you know, good with with helping out uh, workers, uh, granting bonuses because they've had such a influx of buyers come in that oh, wow. they've they've. Um, sort of pass that on to the workers as well. So, you know, some of those businesses have, have done the right things, uh, you know, and, and, and especially going back into the sports realm, talking about uh, owners or athletes or even the franchises themselves uh, sort of fronting the money for, for their hourly uh, wage staff. Um, so like, you know, your, your ticket takers, security, uh, you know, or concession workers, uh, those people, I, I think it, it's on a case by case or, you know, team by team basis, mm. but you know, they're, they're being taken care of, Good. uh, in a way, uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it's wild. Um, just, just seeing, yeah, you know, a lot of people are coming together and they're helping each other out. So, you know, you really haven't seen something like this since I would want to say, uh, I don't like to evoke it too often, but, you know, since 9-11, uh, where, nice. you know, sort of after that happened, there really was a, a standstill yeah. uh, for for a period. And then people kind of got right to work uh, helping each other out. Um, so that's that's happening over here where, yeah. you know, people are trying to do the best they can for for their neighbors. So, you know, man, you hopefully this is something that that passes uh, within a few months, but, you know, with some of the projected, uh, you know, kind of clearance dates being thrown out there, you know, it might not be until July or yeah. August that we won't see, you know, this totally go away. So gosh, if that happens, that would be, um, that'd be really tough yeah. uh, for, for a whole lot of people around here. Yeah. So you, 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 you're really hoping for the best in this situation. No, absolutely. And it's it's nice to hear that there's some good stories out there um, and good things happening, especially with businesses and things, um, giving out that, those bonuses, like you said. So long may that continue and hopefully um, stores, especially over in the States and over here, keep getting the goods coming in because, yeah, I mean, hopefully people out there, they'll, they'll realize that, you know what? I mean, if you're having to self-isolate, it's usually for 14 days. It's only two weeks. You don't need to buy mm -hmm. 18 rolls of uh, toilet paper because right. that's someone someone did that in front of me and it wasn't a case of it was just a packet of 18 which i would kind of understand because it's sold like that but yeah. it was like there was three packs of six and i'm thinking you don't are you gonna just poo yourself to death right i, I don't know are you i don't, I don't you, think yeah. that's a symptom is it? It, it it's totally puzzling that that becomes like how that became like the de facto thing that people were uh decided to hoard yeah. um of of all the things people could buy that toilet paper yeah. i have no idea how that even comes about but um yeah you know 
it's it's just so weird but you know so so how have you been able to pass the time uh with with all of this going on has it has it really just been your son is that pretty that, much just that, the yeah. only thing that's that's literally <laughs> it yeah um i mean i mean the whole kind of thing kind of kicked off as whilst we were going into hospital um going into labor and things like that so it's kind of mm-hmm. thankfully i've had my son to keep me occupied um I mean, in a way, the season's been postponed. That's kind of helped a little bit because it's been a bit tiring, I'm not going to lie. Um, he's been waking up a few times during the night, obviously, to get his feed. Um, so, it's yeah, he's been keeping me occupied and there's not been any really times where I've had to think about, do I need to do something or whatnot? So, it's been great. And I've still got another... Ooh, 13 weeks before I go back to work so I've got plenty of time to uh, to keep going with this so it's all good um, absolutely right we've I think we've had enough talk of COVID so we, yes um, so something I introduced into last week's show um, is something called guess that phrase Basically, this is a game where I will let you know about a phrase. And the reason for it is, obviously, me being British um, and the main audience for you out there, listeners, is you are majority from America. There is mm-hmm. sp- sprinklings of other people around the world. I've now got this- listeners in Estonia since Eric Sorger's uh, signed. I've got yes. Peru. I've got people from Peru. I've got people from Costa Rica. I've got people from all, all over Europe as well. So... I wanted to kind of introduce you into the world of sayings and phrases over here in the UK. Um, And I do say quite a lot of those, um, which people don't understand. I say quite a few things that are from the north of England, because that's where I'm from. Um, And we're going to just go through one particular phrase. And I think it's kind of apt for what's been happening in the world at the moment. Um, So you probably will guess this fairly quickly, but I don't want you to say the answer straight away, Daniel. I want you to wait and have a little think um, about it, and we'll go through it at the end of the show. So, it's just a single word, this one. It is the word lurgy. Have you heard of that word before, firstly? I've I've been to England twice, and that is one that that escapes me. Okay. So, So that's a new one. So, Lurgy, so to kind of give you a little bit of um, context around it, um, it's kind of the way people would say it is, oh, they've got the dreaded Lurgy. That might give it away. Um, So have a little bit more think about it, Daniel. Um, And listeners out there, if you know the answer, tweet in. um, Just tweet in at DC United Kingdom. um, Let me know what you think that word is. And if you're correct, brilliant, well done. Um, but we'll find out at the end of the show if Daniel knows what this is. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So news. Obviously, we've kind of covered quite a lot about COVID nineteen. Um, I don't think we need to really go about it too much more. We've got the fact that it's been affecting sports around the world. Literally, everything's been cancelled or postponed. Um, as you already mentioned, Euro twenty twenty is now Euro twenty twenty one. The only other time I've seen a major tournament like that delayed by a full year um, was the Ryder Cup um, mm. uh, that was two well, when, I know this sounds bad but what year was 9-11 2011 was it 2011 
It was longer than that, that was... wasn't it? Wait, nine eleven. <laughs> no. I know, right? <laughs> you got me. Oh, oh. Sorry. I, I need to revoke my citizenship. No, two thousand one. <laughs> two thousand one, right? Yeah. So, oh, boy. <laughs> might edit that one out. <laughs> I might leave Honestly, it. Honestly, you might have to leave it in. I might I, leave it I, in. I will deserve uh, some ribbing for that one. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So nine eleven had happened. Um, in 2001, yeah. Yeah, So and it got delayed by a year. Um, and I remember this quite well because I actually won tickets to go to the Ryder Cup, um, which was fantastic. I mean, the competition, I'm just going to give you a little, just a little blow my own trumpet here. We, the competition was I had to hit four golf shots and you had to add up all the distances to get a, was it three? No, four? No, it was three golf shots, sorry. Add mm-hmm. all the distances up and whoever got the furthest distance won the tickets. Now, bear in mind, it was sponsored by Budweiser, um, and you had to be 18 plus to enter. And I was born in 1988, and it was in 2001. Yes. I wasn't quite old enough. Um, yeah. But I hit, out of three shots, 1,066 yards. Huh. That so, is impressive. Yeah, not bad for, I would have been 13 at the time. I think that's about right. Yep. Uh, so I was kind of pleased with that. Um, so I had to take my dad along with me um, because, you know, I had to take an adult. Uh, uh-huh. Yep. Um, so he got to drink all the Budweiser, didn't he? <laughs> well done, Dad. Um, he might let me have one or two, you know. Um, right. But, yeah, it was, even though it was delayed by a year, it was still a fantastic time. Um, and that's the only time I can really remember a tournament being delayed for that long. So this is going to be a very rare occasion. Yeah. Um, other, another thing that might be delayed, and I'd only seen it about 20 minutes before we started recording the show, um, over on Yahoo News, um, due to the coronavirus pandemic, um, MLS Cup might be played in December and at a neutral venue. What do you think about that then? That, I mean, I would... I would say that's about the only way you could do that uh, without sort of, you know, un- unless you were to completely cancel out the games that were supposed to happen in this period. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine any other way to do it. You know, be- between, uh, you know, the the CONCACAF Champions League going on, uh, you'd, you'd have to just sort of uh, ram a whole bunch of games together where you know you it wouldn't be feasible uh and, you know especially if you factor in international breaks uh as those happen um and, and as as often as mls sort of uh flies in the face of <laughs> fifa's sort of uh mandated international breaks uh you, you just couldn't do it you'd have to um extend the the season into that period uh yeah, did, did they? Is there was there a venue uh, named? There wasn't. No. So no. I, yeah. I think it's kind of very early stages. Um, obviously, they don't know how long this suspension of the season's going to last for. Um, and I've just seen um, USL have announced that they're delaying it even further now. So a lot of the leagues and a lot of the competitions around the world um, in various sports have said um, early April. 
Um, USL have announced um, that they're suspending until May now, so they've gone a further month. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so it's going to be tricky. Um, You'd have to do something like a, you know, if you're talking about December, you know, depending on who would reach that final, uh, certain teams just would not be able to hold yeah. the final. Uh, it would have to be at, you know, either a neutral uh, territory sort of in a warmer climate or a guaranteed sort of like indoor uh, facility. So yeah. because, you know, that's something that people don't realize, uh, you know, I, I always find it cute when Europeans talk about visiting uh, the United States. They always say, you know, oh, a weekend uh, going to New York and then Miami would be, you know, wonderful. I'm like, do you <laughs> not realize how incredibly yeah. large this country is? Uh, you know, it's it's very much the same thing. You've got such a, a wide difference of, of climates uh, over here that, you know, certain areas you just would not be able to hold a soccer game mm. um, in, say, you know, uh, M- Minnesota, if, if they got uh, that far. And, you know, with those first couple of games, they very much look like a, a strong uh, playoff team. Um, you just wouldn't be able to do that. So no. it'll be it'll be interested to or interesting to see how that all shapes out. No, um, exactly. I mean, I think if it was going to be an outdoor venue, you're going to be looking somewhere in the south of USA, aren't you? Realistically, yeah. Um, yeah. Indoor venue, then that doesn't really matter too much. It's just obviously um, support safety at the end of the day on that side of things. Mm-hmm. I still think if they're going to do a December final, um, they they need to cancel a tournament. They need to can they would need to cancel a league's cup, in my eyes, um, because you're going to end up having to play every two games every week, and that's going to burn out some players. Absolutely, uh, the Open Cup. You know, it's it's one of those, um, you know, it's a tournament that's been going on for gosh. Uh, long time uh i can't i i can't name off the top of my head how many years it's been going but it's it's significant yeah. uh so that's that's been an institution for for decades yeah you can't uh, get rid of that one you can't get rid of the u.s open cup because you've got all the amateur teams and yep and they they would need to obviously have something to play for um the league's cup itself has only been gone for one year mm-hmm. just getting rid of that um this year just yeah relaunch it next year absolutely not a problem with that um but just to keep the games down to a minimum and prevent burnout i would stop that from happening Um, but that's always been the problem with the u.s soccer federation is when it's come down to crucial decisions or you know a need to shift focus uh they they move at a snail's pace. Mm. Uh, same thing can be said for Don Garber, uh, the commissioner of MLS. Uh, he he's a guy who very much he's set in his ways, uh, you know. And we'll get into that when we talk about uh, sort of allocated money uh, yep. later in this in this show. Uh, he's a guy who has crept um, along, you know, things. Things have only increased incrementally in the league uh, in terms of the salary cap, in terms of how uh, teams can use uh, their their money to sort of 
uh, buy down player salaries and whatnot. Uh, it's it's all been, um, you know, uh, a jumble. You know, I yeah. want to use a different phrase, but this is a family show. But it's a <laughs> uh, it's it's a problem, and and yeah. the federation and our our league here are are notoriously slow at changing with the times no absolutely um should we actually start talking about uh gam and tam um because this um because there's not much football going on i should say soccer sorry um let's talk about some gam and tam and let's get people up to scratch with some of the nuances of major league soccer um i still don't fully understand it and i don't think anyone fully understands what gam and tam is all about so um just to kind of give you what those abbreviations are uh, gam stands for general allocation money um and if you head over onto the major league soccer website mlssoccer.com um you'll see that it General allocation money is money that is available to a club in addition to its salary budget. Each MLS club receives an annual allotment of GAM. Um, Clubs also receive additional GAM in the following cases. So if they fail to qualify for the playoffs, Mm -hmm. the transfer of a club's players to another club outside of Major League Soccer and qualification for the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, So that is GAM. Uh, TAM stands for Targeted Allocation Money, and that is basically funds strategically provided by the league to teams to add or retain players that will make an immediate impact on the field. Um, It's only been around since 2015, um, and each team initially received $100,000 in TAM uh, per year for the next five years, so that is actually until this year. Um, Subsequent increases of TAM given to each team to $800,000 per year in 2016 and then to $1.2 million per year in 2017. Um, So it keeps creeping up and up. Um, Now, Daniel. Mm -hmm. General allocation money. Yes. Can you simplify it? This is, uh, you know, like I said, you know, sort of in the uh, pre-show, uh, uh, you know, my, my project is called Soccer Made Simple, and you are really testing my ability <laughs> to make soccer simple in uh, in this particular subject. Now, the, the idea of allocation money hmm. is that it, it allows Major League Soccer to operate within the sort of American standard of how sport franchises uh run run uh over here so you know the nfl uh, major league baseball to an extent and the nba they have uh, uh i guess i guess uh budget caps mm. so essentially they can't allow the uh roster money to exceed a certain point now with with Major League Bay or with uh, the NBA and NFL, it's a hard stop. You can't go above X amount of dollars um, for your salary cap. Hmm. Now, with Major League Baseball, essentially there's no salary cap. It's just at a certain point you pay a, a luxury tax based on how far above you go um, uh, against certain budgetary points okay so in in essence there's a cap but there's also a luxury tax that then 
sort of gets spread on to the other teams in the league. Uh, with Major League Soccer, the allocation money operates in a very similar way, where uh, every team has a fixed salary cap for their roster. And that salary cap right now is at 3.8511 something, something, something. <laughs> it goes uh, far into decimal places that, that really sort of um, illustrate the convoluted nature of this whole thing. Uh, now, that used to be half, uh, over half, uh, you know, less mm. back in, um, I want to say, yeah, kind of in the early aughts. Uh, it was only 2.1 million yeah. up until around uh, 2007, was it, when when uh, David Beckham came Yes, it was, league. yeah, 2007. And that was when, uh, you know, that's when the salary cap started creeping up was yeah. after that point. Because what teams needed was uh, the designated player or what's, you know, sort of colloquially known as the Beckham rule, where essentially every team is allowed two designated players and they go above the um, per player salary uh uh, cap. So yeah. there's there's a salary cap for the team, and then there's a salary cap for players, and uh, that stands these days at just under four hundred thousand something, or under just under five hundred thousand dollars, something like that. That maybe sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, but but it's sort of staged. You know, there's a league minimum where a player has to make sixty five thousand dollars on the year, and then it can go up to five hundred thousand dollars. Now, obviously, with David Beckham, I think at that time, I think the league uh, maximum was somewhere around 300000 something like that. Uh, he went well above because his salary, I think, uh, was somewhere around $6 million or something like that. I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me with him. And abs- I-, I might be thinking about the Frank Lampard move that NYCAFC mo- uh, made for him, uh, which was another convoluted thing in and of itself, but... Um, the, so essentially what the league was able to do is they does made him a designated player where essentially he counted his salary against the cap yeah. was $500,000 or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. But what the league mandated then was the allocation money. So then that money was GAM, your general allocation money, and that is typically used to pay against the player's uh, salary cap hit. So if they go above that league maximum, uh, the team can use that allocation money to buy it down. Now, what can also happen is that a team can buy a designated player, but then they can use... um, targeted allocation money to buy down <laughs> to a certain point that makes them not a designated player. And that is where you get more confusing about it is because Cam and Gam are essentially the same, except with Cam, you need to make sure that if you buy down or if you buy down a designated player's salary against the cap, you have to then use money on another designated player that's equal or more than the salary that you paid down against with so so player say so player a 
you paid you buy you use their your TAM money to buy buy them down to say the league minimum yeah. or to the threshold where they're no longer a DP, and then uh, you have to then find another player, player B, yeah, and you have to use your TAM money yeah. to then uh, make sure that their salary matches that of what player A makes. Right. It's very, very confusing. And and anyone who has tried, uh, you know, this is an interesting thing. If you ever feel uh, froggy, fire up a new uh, game of football manager <laughs> and try taking over an MLS team because they keep it very faithful to how the league structures contracts. And it is a, a wild uh, experience because, you know, over in Europe, uh, you know, two teams can basically agree on a payment for a player, and then a player can just agree on a contract yep. with whatever team they're transferring over to. Nice it's and simple, very, right? Nice and simple. Very simple system. You'd think over in, here in America, where you know uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, or they praise the the free market. You'd think something like that would uh, be standard over here, but. It's actually a very strange form of socialism among sort of corporate entities that is uh, extremely um, strange and probably off-putting to some people yeah. when they like when, when when this sort of stuff is explained because that's sort of what this allocation money idea is is that it's supposed to create parity for teams across the league so that you don't have one team with a gigantic war chest just running away with the league every single year. They're more or less playing by the same rules, except when MLS decides to change the rules, which happens often. And MLS is not very transparent about it, or at least not as transparent as they could be uh, about how they do that. And it's it's all buried under a lot of legal stuff with collective bargaining agreements yep. and a whole lot of things you'd have to like go to law school to understand. So as I, as I say, or as I should have prefaced this, you know, to the best of my knowledge, that is how <laughs> all of this works. And that's a great, that is a great get out of jail free card if you're trying to explain something and it's something that is well above your pay grade. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so, so for me, I mean, in my head there, when you were talking about TAM there, so you, you were talking about yes. play rate and player B. So yes. your play rate, um, let's call him Edison Flores. Yes. Yep, so he's a DP. So we want, DC United wants to bring him down to lower than DP, so he's just a normal signing, normal player. So we've reduced his uh, salary down using TAM. So we've kind of got him on a fake salary let's put it that way yes so, but it's it's it, it's a sort of it's it's a mix of gam and tam because yep. the thing about tam itself is that it you know not only is it supposed to is it restricted by what you can do with you know sal- in terms of how you use it among players salaries but you only have it for a limited number of uh transfer windows i think it's you have to use it by the third transfer window of, from when you receive it yes so it's not one of those things where you can sort of stockpile you know this allocation money and just sit on that type of war chest <laughs> to then just buy against uh you know these astronomical salaries 
you have to use it within a you know uh, a you know a year year and a half time frame. Yeah, I, I do remember seeing that on uh, Football Manager, and that is that's how I got into DC United. It's trying to learn how MLS works. Um, so yeah, if you do want to try and understand Gam and Tam a bit better, I mean, obviously Daniel, well, fair play for explaining all that. That was that and was here's another good. thing if. If DC and this might happen with what we're seeing with the rumblings of Luka Modric and mm-hmm. uh, Mesut Ozil, is that if a player joins a team halfway through the season, they actually get prorated on that allocation money. So essentially, what they're able to do is that they can basically get a half discount on that player's, you know, sort of market hit. Yeah. Uh if they join during the summer, which is what happened when Frank Lampard joined NYCFC and he spent that, you know, whatever it was, 6 month uh loan to Manchester City. So essentially NYCFC loaned Frank Lampard to Manchester City. And that's sort of a problem in and of itself because yep. NYCFC is somewhat partnered with Manchester City, so they kind of skirted some sort of loophole yes. with that move. But they were able to then buy further against his market uh, hit uh, because he joined them halfway through the season. So it's 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 wild how how strategic teams have to be just to buy a player. It is a minefield. Um, I'm a little bit more wiser now, thanks to that. So thank you, Daniel. And hopefully you listeners out there, you're a little bit wiser to what gammon time is. Um, if you enjoyed actually listening to that and getting that little bit more knowledge about Major League Soccer, um, tweet in again at DC United Kingdom. Um, let me know what you want us to cover on the show um, because there is so many things about Major League Soccer which are confusing. Um, Mm -hmm. and we will shine a light on those confusions and hopefully blow away the cobwebs and make sure it's all clear for you Um, moving on Daniel yeah match review time Um, into Miami it was a a while ago now Um, and just to kind of give you a little reminder and the listeners a little reminder of what happened we won Um, Mm 2-1 it wasn't without the struggles let's put it that way um, the commentators were a little bit odd, I want to say, because uh, we actually had it over here on Free Sports. So we, when it's on Free Sports, they just use the American commentary. Um, when it's on Sky Sports, we get our own commentary for that. Um, and one of those uh, odd comments that we uh, came across was um, that Inter Miami were playing in an elegant, light-coloured uniform. Now I don't think it's quite as outlandish as my take on okay. their uniform. What is your take on their uniform? Their uniform gives me a feeling of that celebrity crush you had when you were 13 years old, and it was this most perfect feeling you had, that if you were given <laughs> just one opportunity to woo this person, you would absolutely <laughs> run away with it, which oh. back when I was 13 was was Halle Berry, and oh. uh, that was, Fair. you know... That is, for some reason, that is how I feel when I look at that uniform. I don't know why <laughs> with Inter Miami in particular. Uh, there's there's sort of a nice combination with the colors, the white and pink and, and black. 
that that just kind of really works for that club. And so, but it wasn't until you mentioned that that I remembered, you know, when they mentioned that, because I think you and I had the same stream going. Yeah. Uh, they made that comment. I was like, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. It, it, so. it was so bizarre. I mean, that, I, I mean, I, my parents were watching the game as well. And they ended up just putting the game on mute because they, I mean, I mean, the commentating over in the States, especially for sort of the more southern countries towards the um, Mexico area, um, mm-hmm. they're a bit more outlandish, um, to say the least. Um, they're a bit more o- over the top kind of thing, which is great. Um, you see that passion. But then yeah. you get those kind of comments. You're like, okay, that was a bit strange. Um and it, it makes sense to me why that one Scottish guy ended up uh, going and commenting for La Liga games, specifically Barcelona games, because mm. he goes nuts. Yes. Every time Messi gets within five feet of the ball, he he goes off into this wild tangent about him being the best. And I can understand where, okay, yeah, you know, something like that, you know, is... is um, it's a, it's a different taste for people. Yeah. Uh, I think particularly for me, uh, you know, I remember when we had um, Gus Johnson comment for the USA run in the World Cup back in 2014. He brought a whole excitement because I, re- I think it was, was it John Champion or, or yeah. uh, oh, no, uh, uh, it's the other famous famous old english commentator uh last name starts with a d i want to say um Um, oh if you can if you can remember in the next like minute because it's 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 escaping me right now uh but you know there there is sort of a reserved nature to the way uh english commentators talk about soccer and then uh when you come over here especially if you're talking about mexico if you just listen to a minute of that commentary, yeah. uh, it is it is you know ex- vibrant and vivacious. It is uh, loud and just you know it, it, I don't know. It, it really kind of matches the pace of the game. Uh, so you know, yeah, over here it is it is a bit more vociferous rather than over there. So I can I can totally see where where that pricks some ears <laughs> up and and creates some some strange reactions from people no absolutely um other things that happened in that game um into miami obviously scored their first ever goal um, yeah which was which was a good goal um let's not take anything away from that but that was um a lot of a lot of that is based on the fact that they're a brand new team yeah and they came with a completely different look against DC United. What they what they had against LAFC was a pretty standard uh, 4-2 or 4, yeah, 4-2-3-1, uh, mm. where they kind of sat back and they were really sort of looking to absorb, you know, the Vela factor and yeah. try to shut him down, uh, which obviously they, they didn't quite pull off no. uh, with his glorious little shot. But... Uh, what they brought against DC United was a really aggressive three-four-three. Yeah, and you had um, you had Robbie Robinson up top at the number nine. You had Rodolfo Pizarro uh, 
uh, on that left wing side. And then um, I'm trying to think, uh, was it? Was Lewis it, Morgan. Was it, Lewis Morgan uh, on, on the right side. And those three really came in and um, created a lot of trouble for our back line. So you had Robin, Robinson really uh, kind of staring burn bomb in the face, giving him, you know, kind of that move down the middle. He passed it off to Morgan, and then Morgan checked it off to Pizarro, who gave it just a nice little, you know, just kind of tapped his, you know, put his foot out, tapped it in, and yeah. uh, really kind of got past some meat on that one. So a really strong start by Miami. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole play, um, I, when I was watching it, it was – all started from their sort of high press and they really got to Canales on that particular one who absolutely just misplaced his pass and they were able to capitalize on that and then get that goal. Um, and I think uh, Lucas Mora on the other side didn't, didn't quite react fast enough to how that play broke down. Yeah. So then you had Lewis Morgan get by him very easily. And so that just created a, a huge problem for Briant and Burnbaum in the middle. Yeah. Um, other things who have happened in that game. Um, Eric Sorga made his debut, but that was only yes. because Ola Kamara got injured, um, which was a hamstring injury. Um, and thankfully, thanks to COVID-19, we might not have to worry about that now. Um, mm-hmm. What did you make of Sorga? Um, I was impressed by him. It was just his finishing um, that let him down. And I think that's just because it was it was his debut. It was his first appearance in MLS, which is a huge step up from the Estonian league. Yes. Um, I thought he, re- he held the ball up very, very well for yep. not the biggest of guys. Um, he had a bit of pace about him. Um, his movement was fantastic. Um, I was... I was highly impressed. I would have just been topped the whole game off if he was able to capitalize on one of the counter attacks. Miami, I think, uh, really came into this game very physical. Yeah. Uh, I think especially what what really surprised me uh, was Pizarro's ability to not only play just beautiful offense, but he also really pressed hard against DC United. And I think, yeah, with, with that back line, they were, you know, really able to shift well and address DC wherever they were coming from uh, in, in terms of their attack. Mm. Now, they did have some openings. There were some views kind of early in the game. I think there was a, a you know, uh, Gressel is going to find his footing eventually, and he's yeah. going to be a, a wonderful um, uh, sort of service guy. Uh, for the team. He's going to get a lot of assists this season. Absolutely. Um, but he had a nice one where I, I want to say it was either Mora or Felipe uh, who were able to kind of sneak into the box and they, they kind of caught an opening um, that that Miami left for them. Yes. But uh, Robles was, was very much on top of his game. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't for a second half kind of breakdown for Miami, he had a wonderful game against us. Yeah. Even though he's a former Red Bull, um, and we will always hate him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very good keeper. And yeah. If he was in the, if he was in the black and red of DC United, I, st- I wouldn't be complaining. Um, but you know, um, he isn't. And, uh, we've got two past him. So he sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> um it's, it's how those two happened, which was, oh. um, 
inexplicable, yep. kind of magical. Yep. And and you know you you have to wonder you know w- 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 did we deserve it? <laughs> you know? well, uh, the first one was uh, a a clear handball. Yeah. Uh, by by Miami that um, really sort of ruined a goal scoring chance for Gressel who had a really nice breakaway uh you know on the counter attack uh what happened next was it really confused me because as, as much i had even written an article about var yeah but somehow it got past me that um a a stoppage in play has to dictate when var happens yes and so it wasn't until about 20 or 30 seconds later after the fact when miami actually scored against us again uh, was VAR put into effect, and then that goal was discounted, and then we were given a set-piece uh, free kick back on the other end of the field. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, sort of just after that set-piece that um, uh, Edison Flores was fouled in the box. Yeah. And then Yamil Assad was able to uh, net the penalty for us. Well, and think- then the true magic happened just minutes after that. Um, but we also got to remember, VAR also helped get Romain Torres sent off as well. Exactly. Yes. He got the red card, took him off field, you know, down to 10 men. Uh, really, uh, at that point, I think Miami was was in a hard place to really adjust to that. Yeah. I think they really wanted to come in with an uh, aggressive look at us. And they weren't quite able to, um, uh, you know, get their act together within time uh, where where DC finally uh, scored two against them, and yeah. it was that that second set piece they they uh, I forget who they fouled, but Flores took a wonderful wow. set piece from there, uh, a a nice curler that just you know skimmed over the top of the defensive wall. Uh, started uh, kind of going center, and then it, it dipped very aggressively uh, towards that that bottom corner of the net. Yeah. Uh, Robles really had to stretch for that one. So the ball it hit it hit his fingers, bounced off the post, off the ground, and it it sort of went up into this high volley. And lo and behold, uh, our our French David Luiz. Uh, Frederick <laughs> Briant was in the right place, right time. A, a true poacher's goal. Yeah. This was. He comes in off the volley, scores it top corner on the on the opposite side of the net. Was picture perfect, and and I'm I was completely floored by that. I never even thought uh, we'd see Briant pull something like that off. No, I mean that was one hell of a volley. I mean, it was just like. Okay, we have a centre back who can absolutely smash it into the back of the net. No arguments, and it was up for goal of the week as well. Um, Absolutely. Which, as you, if you're listening, you would, and you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen I was tweeting out about it, and uh, even Fred Brown uh, decided to uh, like and comment on it, which was uh, nice of him to do so. Um, but yeah, that those twelve minutes of play was where they just completely fell apart. Um, yeah. I mean, they, Romain, Roman Torres got sent off in the 54th minute, and then they just started 
giving free kicks, obviously giving the penalty away, giving, yep. getting booked and things like that. And it was just like, I know they're a new team. I know they want to make an impact and they want to make a name for themselves. But that was just, it was incredible. Um, I'd never seen anything like it for such a long time. Um, I mean, Will Trapp gave the free kick away, which led to our goal. Um, I'm just trying to see who won the free kick. Uh, What minute was it? It was in the 60th minute. Mm -hmm. So that would have been... Uh, nope, wrong team, James. Wrong team. Number 11. Nope, that's even earlier than that. Uh, Felipe was uh, fouled. Yeah. So Felipe won the free kick, which led to the winning goal. Um, and that was kind of the main action, but this kind of the last 15, 20 minutes or so. I probably want to say more like 15. DC United went into real defensive mode. And from from that point on, Miami just absolutely dominated the possession game. Yeah. Uh, for that last half hour, I I want to say they it was about seventy percent possession for them just within that time period. Yeah, it felt like that definitely, um, and it felt like DC of twenty nineteen, summer twenty nineteen mm. in particular, where we just didn't want to attack. I think we were scared of conceding a goal. Um, we were happy just to win by the one, we're, but we're at home, and that's the bit that really, really annoyed me. It's the fact that we're at home, and we should be wanting to you entertain the fans and give them something to cheer about. And granted, and especially with especially with a team that was down ten, and yeah. so y- you really have to go for the jugular at that point. And we did the same thing against Cincinnati last year, where we played just yes. very defensive, negative. Uh, football against them and we lost out on our home field advantage in the playoffs so it was uh you know you hate seeing that you know kind of reverting to those old 2019 tendencies yeah and we've got to remember though and how many times do we see a team go down to 10 men and actually play better than the team with 11 men It, it happens a heck of a lot um so it didn't kind of surprised me in that aspect um but i did feel like we should have been playing better we should have kept the ball a lot better there were so many times which the passes just didn't hit the man um mm-hmm. you look at it um 79 passing accuracy not great at home i would expect that in the mid to late 80s at the very least um it was just and as 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 good as that midfield should be, uh, that that is a woeful number. It, it yeah. needs to be a lot crisper uh, as as they move the ball up the pitch. Yeah, it agreed. Um, and then the other thing that really frustrated me is the fact that Inter Miami had a total of fifteen shots. We only had eight. Yep. Um, when you're the home side, that should be flipped. It should be we're having fifteen, and they should be having eight. Um, well, the problem with DC United is they always try to walk it in. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. We're playing UK reference for you over there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the 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 Arsenal Wenger way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch at times, and you just feel like I'll oh, just take an effort. And I think the fact that we've got Flores now, I think he's more likely to do that. I think he will be the one who will score those long range efforts, and even Felipe to a point because he did have a go from range and it was quite close 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't close enough, but it was quite close. Um, so there is there is room for obviously improvement. There's always room for improvement, but there's some parts now I play which are good. Um, we just need to do it for a full ninety minutes now. Um, well, I tell you, if we if we can pull what you suggested earlier with that is in Cavani, uh, you know that that number could change yes. very quickly. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, obviously, we finished and we held out and we won two one. Um, yes, great result in the end. Um, in the grand scheme of things, um, that put us uh, into fifth in the Eastern Conference. I want to say sixth in the Eastern Conference. My bad. Um, so we're in the playoffs. Um, that might still be the same at the end of the season. There might still only be two games played. We will see how COVID-19 treats us. Um, so our next opponents were supposed to be FC Cincinnati. Um, and this is the point where we normally talk about the upcoming game, but we don't know when that's going to be. So we'll just skip on to the Q&A section. Um, and I've been looking forward to this because there's been... It's been a few uh, good ones, yeah, hasn't there? Some juicy uh, tidbits have popped up recently. Yeah, so, um, again, as I said earlier in the show, this was record, or is being recorded on the 18th of March, or March the 18th for you in, the, in America. And I only tweeted out about three hours before we recorded that we were going to record. So this is very last minute, but we did get some good things come in. So first up was Travis Dowell. Um, he asked, how do you feel about Bobby Wood potentially coming to DC? I think he would be better fit for us uh, at striker than Kamara. Plus, we need more depth on the roster at forward. Um, thanks and keep up the great work. Um, thank you very much for that, Travis. Um, I did have a cheeky look at Bobby Wood over on Football Manager to see what his attributes and his key things were. Um, I noticed that his main attributes are his pace, his aggression... Um, and his teamwork. Um, those are the key things that he's good at. His finishing could be better. He's also got a very good first touch, though. Um, and he brings a solid size. He's not yes. an incredibly big striker if you're if you're talking about that sort of target man. Uh, but at five foot ten and one hundred seventy four pounds, he's not exactly a guy who's going to get pushed around in the box. Exactly. Um, the only other thing that I noticed um, is. A massive stumbling block, and that's his wage. So, over a football manager, um, when I was playing it earlier, he was at um, Hamburger SV, um, and his wage was £39,000 per week. That's a huge amount. Um, yes. He would have to be signed as a DP, and this is where yep. we start looking at using TAM as we've just exactly. recently learned about in this show. Um, so we would obviously need to bring a player that we currently have out of out of being a DP. Um, that could be Paul Ariola, um, considering he's not going to actually get played at all this season now. Right. Um, and then we bring in Bobby Woods as the third DP. Um, how do you how do you feel about Bobby Woods, um, Daniel? Would you would you think he's a good fit for us? Bobby Wood, in in terms of uh, his career, is, you know, uh, gosh, um, really someone who came along and, and, you know, wasn't an exciting prospect at a time. But I, I, you know, uh, particularly on the national uh, team stage, uh, I don't think he quite has has or ever really reached a a sort of level that I think um, was expected of Mm. him. Uh, I think, you know, in particular, losing out on that 2018 
go at the World Cup qualifying. Um, you know, I think I think the team just kind of lost lost a lot of footing in that way. Uh, you know, you you have to wonder. Uh, you know, playing for Bundesliga too. Uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure uh, where Hamburger SV is on on that particular table, but uh, you know, you you have to wonder. You know, if a, if a guy wants to. Uh, stay in that realm or if he's looking for other opportunities um you know particularly going going back to america he's 27 years old yep. uh so not 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 exactly uh nearing retirement age but not a spring chicken by any means that's a, that's a little americanism uh <laughs> for for yeah if you want to start incorporating that over the U- uk uh you know i i want to say that just about um any sort of DP level player that you can bring uh, into that position can make an impact uh, immediately. That was supposed to be Ola Kamara, but mm. um, he has not uh, quite hit that. With, with him, it just never seemed like he was very comfortable working within that within the DC United system. Um, he always just seemed a, a step too fast or a step off or, or never could quite get the touch right uh in the in the times that i've seen him play yep. it's really disappointing because he carried a very confident tone during preseason um he set a very high standard for himself uh but in those first two games he was uh rather anonymous until he went down with an injury and that was about the most noteworthy thing you could say about his 2020 season so far yeah um i'm just looking at um again just some of the uh, stats about Bobby Wood, um, he's not the greatest of goal scorers, and that worries me a little bit. So, yeah. we're just taking into account, um, since he started playing um, in 2010, um, professionally anyway, he's never scored more than 17 goals for a particular team. And that worries me hugely. I mean, granted, he, 2015-2016, uh, sorry, 2015-2016 season, um, when he was playing for Union Berlin, he played 31 times and scored 17 goals. A very good return rate. But that's yeah. it. Um, since 2016, when he transferred over to Hamburger SV, um, he spent a season on loan at Hanover 96. He scored 10 goals. Yeah. That's, to me, um, as big of a, na- big a name as Bobby Wood is, I mean, I've I heard of him before. Uh, Travis tweeted in about him and before the rumors started, so I know of him. Um, it's not for me. I wouldn't go and go ahead and sign him based on the fact that he is not a true out-and-out goal scorer, and that is someone that we're really, really screaming out for right now. Um, we've not had a goal scorer who scored more than twelve goals since 2015 at DC United, and that was Wayne Rooney um, in. T- yeah, in 2019, I uh, sorry, 2018 at the second half of the season, right? Um, so we need someone who can go out and score goals. Um, so for me, I would take a pass on Bobby Wood, um, unless we got him on a normal senior contract and not at a DP level. Um, but that would, I think, would take a miracle to be honest. The last thing you ever want is a panic buy because yeah. that can set that can set any team back you know, uh, you know, a year or two in terms of, you know, their sort of financial and on field progress. Uh, and, and last year, 
to a degree, it seemed like they sort of went through that, uh, particularly with, uh, you know, the purchases of uh, Ola Kamara and Felipe Martins. Now, it worked out wonderful for Martins, who, yeah. who has really made an impact uh, on this team. And, and you know, surprisingly, I, I, I kind of love it, you know, how much he's galvanized and ingratiated himself to the fans. Uh, he, he's been a wonderful investment. However, on the side of Ola Kamara, you know, you're not, we haven't, we haven't seen that uh, return on investment, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, it's discouraging. So you don't, you know, it's exciting to think of Bobby Wood, uh, but, but is that someone, you know, we would, you know, who would come in and make that sort of impact? Uh, You know, same thing, you know, if they, as exciting as it is, thinking about Luka Modric or, or Mesut Ozil, uh, is, is that what we need? Yeah. I, I've been banging the drum for a while now saying we need uh, a lot more solidity on that defensive back line. And, yes. and if you can have the best offense in the world, but if you're you know, giving up you know, a, a lot of you know, stupid goals uh, or crap goals, <laughs> you, you, you're you're going to uh, be in trouble. Yeah, so. I mean, you look at Liverpool a few seasons ago when they before they got Allison, they were shipping yeah. goals left, right, and centre. Um, and even before Virgil Van Dijk came in, now that they got them to, you look at how they're doing this season. They're Absolutely. so solid at the back, um, and that just shows you you can score as many goals as you want, but if you don't have that solid back line. Um, you're not going to win trophies. So, I mean, granted, we generally speaking have a really good backline. We just don't have the depth of a good backline. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we still need actually a striker who can score goals. Um, and when you looked at when we had Wayne Rooney and Lucho Costa, for that brief time, they were excellent, but they were very disruptive. Um, it was all about them too. It wasn't about the team as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, I would based on that experience and learning from that experience, I wouldn't go out and buy the big name signing of Luka Modric or Meza Ozil because they could really disrupt the harmony within the club um, and really put a delay on what the club is trying to achieve. Um, I just want someone who can just bang in the goal. Um, I'm not bothered whether it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic or, or, another, or Edison Cavani. I just want someone who can just put away 15, 20 goals a season and be consistent with it. But again, you know, uh, going back to the uh, Gammon Tam conversation we were having, yep. uh, that really ties a lot of hands. And, you know, uh, on top of, you know, teams only getting two uh, DP slots for their team, if they want to get a third, they need to pay $150,000 luxury tax. Yeah. So, you, so it's it's sort of you're you're getting dinged on so many fronts financially that uh, it's it's very hard to make those moves. You really have to be diligent about making the right investments and also remaining financially solvent in all of it. So, you know, for me, for me, I would rather get if we could get two, you know, fullbacks, uh, almost almost sort of wingbacks. I would yeah. say. You know that can be true, pacey, box to box types of types of players who really can uh, effectively move the ball from the back and create you know options in support. 
uh, I think is a lot more valuable than say your 15 to 20 goal uh, dedicated goal scorer. I, I'd rather have someone, you know, okay. a lot more solidity uh, moving the ball upfield. Yeah, fair enough. Um, should we move on to the next set of questions? Absolutely. So Brian Lake, um, he messaged me um, asking a few different questions considering I asked about one question and it didn't have to be with soccer. It could be with anything. Um, he asked me a few different things and it's mainly to do with uh, COVID-19. Um, first thing he asked was how are things at home with the new baby? Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't wish for a wish for better stuff um my son is absolutely beautiful and i love him to bits already which is bonkers to think about um how's everyone sleeping ish we're sleeping not gonna say it's great sleep but you know we're getting there and we're working things out we're doing shifts at the moment and getting naps in the afternoons and things like that so we're doing we're getting there um he also asked for best quarantine foods um mm. yeah mm-hmm. so for me the best kind of quarantine foods so uh, what we've kind of done I and mean, we're not in quarantine me and my wife and my son but we kind of thought ahead and what we've done was we've done batch cooking so we've made meals which will last us a long time so yeah. everyone's got a freezer at home right you've got yep. a fridge freezer and uh, so what we've done we've um we've batch cooked a chili con carne which is ah I absolutely adore. That's one of my favorite go-to meals. Um, used to pretty much cook it every week. Um, it's my it's a staple for me. Um, we batch cooked a chicken curry, mm. um, which we had this evening, uh, which was very very nice. Um, I'm not a huge curry lover, but that was very well made. Uh, thank you, Fliss, for making me that. Um, and we batch made a ragu so we can just chuck uh, some pasta on and whack that on top so for me anything you can batch cook um you can obviously make bread at home um some great recipes out there for making different types of bread um that will obviously go a long way um obviously anything that can be tinned or frozen um that's going to be very very helpful um yep those are would be and also a lot of sweets and potentially root beer as well <laughs> naturally oh naturally i mean uh, i love my root beer um when i came to the states each uh, both times i've been over there I, i've got to get a bottle of root beer absolutely um yeah I, I yeah i just adore that stuff um daniel um any go-to foods that you would use in a quarantine interesting could we could we set up a system where i send you some root beer and you can send me some urn brew um i that, that could work um <laughs> do you do you really when did when you say earn brew by the way is that how it's <laughs> did um, i did i completely um for those who listen up in scotland um you you can thank me this for now um iron brew iron brew okay yeah, just like 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 the metal iron iron brew okay it's, iron brew yeah they're just they've, they've forgot to put the yo in there <laughs> so now i know uh yep yeah uh no i love that stuff um when when i went in um studied in london for for a summer uh that was i was by a my my dorm was actually right by a partridges so i was able to go in there get some uh 
fresh calamari or oh, yeah. breadsticks and some iron brew. Yep. And was able to uh, have a nice little snack. Nice. Uh, it was it was it was relatively cheap too. Uh, I went in 2008, which was quite possibly the worst time to travel <laughs> internationally against the dollar. Yeah. So any any little bit really helped during that time, and and I came to genuinely love that stuff. So yeah, uh, no, that that stuff's great. Um, I so I've taken a slightly different route, uh, in, you know, in terms of batch cooking. Yeah. Um, I've actually lost about 50 pounds since I've wow. uh, come home. Um, a, a lot of it is through uh, soups and sort of typical meals I'd have, I'd put it on a bed of lettuce. And okay. so I was able to sort of um, take like, you know, maybe half of a meal that I would typically eat mm. and then um, on top of a, you know, like a salad or something. I called them lettuce meals the other day because I guess they're not salads, but they're not. <laughs> you know, typical meals or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. typical millennial fashion, I rebranded <laughs> salads, but, uh, you know, that's something I've been doing where actually I kind of, uh, freeze a whole bunch of items in a lot of individual bags. And then, uh, if I want to cook something, I just cook whatever I have in that little pocket and then put that on some lettuce. It actually kind of, you know, it, it stretches, uh, out meals. It, it's, yeah. I feel a lot more satisfied. Uh, after eating, so I'm not quite, you know, I'm not feeling peckish uh, at times, so I can go a lot longer without um, another meal or a snack or whatever. And uh, you know, but if I'm if I'm really jonesing for something, you know, I just go for some uh, air pop popcorn. That is okay, usually yeah. my my go to for that. Uh, nice. And then maybe maybe sticks of string cheese is another favorite of mine uh you know so in in terms of passing this quarantine time uh you know it's it's a healthy healthy amount of you know getting outside and walking yeah. uh you know a couple of miles a day um and then you know a little bit of fifa as nice. well helps helps pass the time so nice. Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much what I've been up to this whole time. I mean, I, I do love a, the sound of a good lettuce meal. Um, <laughs> I love that. that. That might well make it into the title for this show, Lettuce oh, Meal. Um, absolutely. A, Brian had one last question that he sent in, um, and that was, should they get a month's time to get players semi-fit and should they open the transfer window worldwide until they do resume? Um, I'm going to hit the second part of that question first, um, which is the transfer window worldwide. I'm going to say no. Um, and that is mainly down to the fact that the different um, countries around the world, they play their seasons at different times of the year. Um mm-hmm. So trying to get that coordinated is going to be incredibly difficult. Um, whether they agree to a transfer window, I mean, that would be brilliant if they could, but just logistically, I think that's going to make it really difficult and um, nations should just keep their traditional transfer windows. I think another factor to this is you may see uh, some really conservative transfer windows. I want to say maybe this mm. next summer window, yeah. quite possibly the next January window, you might not see major moves out of the team because I think 
this this virus has has really put a, a lot of teams into flux uh, financially. So yeah. you know it's it's very tough to tell um, where exactly teams are going to be after this, especially with your uh, smaller teams in in the Premier League or whatever top flight football. Uh, the teams that are you know sort of mid to bottom of the table uh, really cannot afford uh, to lose the revenue that comes in from say a month's worth uh, or or even two months worth uh, depending on how long this goes on uh, for for their operation and it's going to be uh, a, a a killer for those lower division teams yeah so this is this is going to be something that's going to be felt uh, long after, uh, the virus has cleared up. I think what we might see um, in terms of transfers is the transfer fees take a huge reduction um, yeah. back to hopefully um, sensible levels um, instead of the hundreds of millions of pounds that we've been seeing over the last few years. Um, so hopefully that side of things will calm down again. Um, but We'll see. We'll see what happens. And it, it all depends on when the seasons do resume again. Um, I, the first part of the question, should um, should they get a month's time to get players semi-fit? Um, you're kind of talking about having a pre-season um, during the season. Um, it's a tricky And at that one. point, you're, you're only pushing back, you know, yeah. the, resuming the season as it is. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of it is it's it's got to be up to the players to keep themselves fit during this time. Yeah. I know it's it's tough to stay game fit uh, under these sort of circumstances, but uh, the onus really is sort of on the players. And I mean, they're yeah. professionals; they know what they're doing. But they're still um, training at the end of the day, so they're not um, as if they're not getting their workouts and things like that. They're still being able to go to the club and go to the training facilities. They're not just sitting around, lounging at home, playing keepy up or with a toilet roll that I've seen on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're, they're keeping fit, so it's just the match sharpness. And to be fair, in terms of Major League Soccer, they've only played two games, so they're not exactly match sharpness, match sharp anyway, so that's not going to harm things. Um, in terms of the rest of the world, yes, um, the, the nations that do the sort of the summer to summer um, seasons, that's going to be a little bit more tricky. Um, I did miss one question out that you did ask, um, so apologise, Brian, for that. Um, should all leagues finish their seasons out when leagues resume? Yes. Daniel, answer to that? Yeah. Yes, as cool. well. Nice. <laughs> nice and easy, that one. Um, and he also actually just added, it's not a question, but another thing he's just added a note at the end, which is he's fond of corned beef and soda bread. He's had it twice this week already. Good shout. Oh, yes. Do love a bit of corned I have not had corned beef for a long time. I need to have that. My wife doesn't like it that much. But I used to have it all the time when I was living at home with my parents. It's a had, a, had a lovely little St. Paddy's Day. Uh, did my lettuce meal <laughs> with, a, uh, with a corned beef spin on nice. it. It was delicious with uh, some some pumpernickel bread that i uh toasted up into croutons and uh, it was delicious that's very posh um <laughs> well done uh, fair play on that one that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um last question um of this round 
is from uh, Ken Ackerson, um, who we both know and love, um, who does the DC, DCU Soccer Podcast. Um, he has asked, what are some silver linings that fans can feel okay, struck good about, even though we are missing sports right now? Um, you... Um, um, yeah... I'm struggling with this one. Are, um, are you genuinely at a loss for words, or, or is this a bit? <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm struggling. I, the only thing I can think of is, uh, depending on if you're self-isolating or not. If you're not, then spending more time with your family and actually speaking yeah. to them. Um, if you are self-isolating, there's not really anything that you can feel good about apart from a bit more time on FIFA or Football Manager or something like that. I think, you know, it's it's been... Um... Good, yeah, like you said, uh, being able to spend a little more time with the family, having a little more of that face-to-face opportunity to talk and get to know each other a little bit. It's uh, really nice. Um, you know, another thing is is really uh, what, I, what I've seen a lot of people say is, like, this is a wonderful opportunity to uh, get that you know, hobby or passion project mm. that you wanted to get going. So, uh, you know, I do a newsletter, which is called Soccer Made Simple. And so I've been able to uh, kickstart that again. Yeah. And I've actually gone further and made it into a podcast now. So, you know, it's uh, been a great time to just sort of slow down and uh, rediscover those projects that, that, um, got neglected for a short while. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's a, been a big silver lining for me. Uh, it's been, it's been just a wonderful opportunity to just, uh, take stock of a lot of things, you know, a lot of personal things, you know, outside of work or obligations, you're able to just kind of, uh, you know, but at, at the same time, you know, it's a privilege to kind of do that because a lot, a lot of people are actually in, in really, uh, dire situations right now. So you just, yeah. you, you hope they can, you know, everyone gets gets through this all right. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the only uh, sort of other civil line, as you said, you're working on personal projects and having this time off, um, maybe it's even learning a new skill. Um, that could be a good silver lining. So you've got this time. If you're self-isolating, um, then use this opportunity to learn a new skill, whether it is learning how to do a podcast, for example, um, or learning how to do Photoshop or something like that. Um that could be another thing that you can do whilst you are currently off or working from home. You might be become a bit more productive. Whoever knows. Um, that is the end of the question round. Um, we're coming up to the part where, Daniel, I need your answer to guess that phrase. So... I did end up Googling it. Oh, you cheated. I will go with my initial thought. Oh, listeners, Uh, do not do that. (laughs) Do not uh, cheat. Um, I am am due for several ribbings after this show. (laughs) And and my my Twitter is open for all of that if if people want to have a go. Uh, But but my initial guess was sort of maybe maybe it's a, a sense of lethargy or ennui like just sort of listless not exactly you know you're you're alive yeah. in motion but not necessarily uh all there okay 
So, just for a reminder uh, for the listeners, the word was Lurgy. And Daniel, since you've um, Googled it, what is the answer? The answer is uh, noun Lurgy, plural Lurgies, British slang. A fictitious, highly infectious disease often used in the phrase the dreaded Lurgy. Uh, sometimes used as a reference to flu-like symptoms. There you go. And I think that is very apt for the situation we have currently find ourselves in. Um, and that is the end of the show. Um, thank you, Daniel, for taking the time out to come and uh, record this show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, just so the listeners can out there can rip you a little bit over on Twitter, where can they find you and what can they find you doing? Yes, uh, and, and again, thank you so much for having me on. i uh, had a really good time today, especially with everything going on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SDakotaSoccer. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a place where you can find me talking about a whole lot, uh, you know, pushing my Soccer Made Simple newsletter and podcast, uh, where I'm really just kind of going through a lot of uh, the ins and outs of soccer, talking about uh, the strategy, uh, the players and what their roles are, the business of soccer and really kind of, and then also diving into kind of the history and culture of the sport. You know, ultimately I'd love to dive into, you know, kind of like the headier things, you know, say like, uh, how, how fascism in Italy, uh, sort of, um, exploited soccer for, for its own gain, uh, back in the, the thirties and forties. And so, you know, uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that that really excites me. You know, uh, when when people ask me about who my favorite player is, I usually go with Johan Cruyff because uh, he really is the guy who um, uh, made modern soccer what it is today. Uh, he was, you know, uh, sort of like that that uh, threshold into the modern era, and so he's he's one of those guys that I've I've always admired, even though I never got to watch him play. Uh, his his philosophy on the game is something that has uh, spanned decades. Uh, without him, you don't have Pep Guardiola today. So, you know, uh, just a extremely influential player. Uh, and so, you know, I love getting into stuff like that. And so, you know, but then boiling it down to, you know, like I said, those those simple concepts that, that people can uh, understand. So, yeah, uh, you know, would love to get people involved with that. So you can sign up for my newsletter at uh, tinyletter.com forward slash soccer made simple and again thank you so much for having me on ah you're very welcome daniel um and for myself um if you are listening um do leave a little uh, rating and review over on apple podcast if you are subscribed through that uh, service um if you want to follow over on twitter it's at dc united kingdom uh facebook and instagram it's dc united kingdom fc um I've just got to also mention that um, the show sponsors, they are the MLS UK show. Um, they are two guys, Henry, Henry and Elliot. Um, they are Atlanta and Orlando fans for some reason. Um, but go over to their Twitter page, which is at MLS UK show. Um, you can follow all their things that are going on. Uh, they do a podcast as well. Um, they're the ones who inspired me to get into doing this kind of thing. Um, so I've got a lot to thank them for. Um, but you and, also... and oh, carry sorry. on, carry on. 
I just wanted to sneak this in uh, because Ken will get mad at me if I don't mention it. But, uh, you know, I, I just started, you know, sort of uh, full time um, guesting on his podcast, the DCU Soccer Podcast. So he and I are consistently doing episodes together now and we are doing real tactical deep dives into DC United. So if you're looking for that sort of thing uh, where we're definitely uh, pushing that type of information about the team. So if you want to get deeper into it, uh, you know, our show has been really great for that. Awesome. Um, and, and just lastly about the guys over at the MLS UK show, head over to their website, MLS.show. Um, if you're not a DC United, uh, DC United fan, um, you can find out all the sort of the UK pages that are available for the different teams. So you've got the likes of Orlando City UK. You've got Columbus Crew UK now. Um, there's who else is on there? There's UK NYCFC. Um, you've got uh, Chicago Fire. Um, you've got all sorts over there. Um, so head over onto MLS dot show and check them out on there. Um, also, if you want to, um, I urge you to have a look over on DCUnitedKingdom.com. Um, click on the shop link um, if you want to buy some merchandise. There is lots of different things on there. Um, you've got stickers, you've got t-shirts, you've got mugs. Um, there's even wall tapestries um, for different sizes. You've got pillows. And for at the moment, there is limited edition Cherry Blossom merchandise as well, which is looking rather suave if i do say so myself um so just head over to dcnightkingdom.com and click on the shop link at the top of the page um that is it um once again thank you daniel for being on the show and until next time vamos united <laughs>